You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Welcome back to VHS Gems, the podcast in which we open up a treasure box of those cassettes of old of our childhoods, and we look at those random movies and decide whether or not they were worth our nostalgia love or whether or not we were crazy for liking them in the first place. Um it's the second one for this one. It's the second one. It, it 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 is. Although I don't think, although I know I watched this one, I don't think I've ever finished it, and now I know why. Um, but yes, mm. today, um, John and I, Jessica, we're going to be talking about the 1980 movie Flash Gordon, not and- the Flash. But Flash no, Gordon. Not, not, not the Flash. And yes. not Gordon Shumway, the real name of Elf. I don't know. I could have come up with anything else. I did not know that was the real name of Elf. Yeah. He has a real human-sounding name, apparently. That does make sense. Cause he... Not to be confused with Gordon Sumner, which is the real name of Sting. That is true. I'm already just full of trivia. All right. Look at that. Yeah. Yeah. John is definitely the trivia one of this podcast. And I am definitely the why am I watching this one of the podcast? Because <laughs> I felt that way watching 1980s Flash Gordon pretty hard. I got to say, John, I don't think I've ever watched a movie and thought to myself, you know what? This actually might be good if it was just a porno. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um <laughs> like- you know, I'm sure that's out there too. I it's probably wouldn't take very much googly to find a Flash Gordon inspired um, skin flick, but uh, you know, it has its charm. This is just <laughs> one of those movies you just have to kind of say, you know, it's of its time. It's 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 I... not for the now, but it, as a time capsule, it it functions in a really oddly specific way. I, I don't know, because like I've watched other movies from this era. I've I've definitely watched movies that have degraded women and stuff because that was how <laughs> it was at that time. This one just straight up had lines in it and moments in it that I was like, why am I not actually seeing sex right now? Like that's that's more why I think like it felt like it already was that porno version of a sci-fi movie, just without the sex. Like that's what it felt like. So you're saying that this movie would have been improved by gratuitous sex and nudity? I don't... um, It wouldn't have been improved, but it would have made sense. How about that? Because it doesn't need to make sense. (laughs) Yes. No, not even more entertaining. Although I'm not anti-porn, but like... uh, Like, it just... it, It felt like those cheesy... Okay, there's literally a scene in it in which they're talking about some man... Oh, some boy is getting initiated into a culture... 
and all you hear is this boy moaning and groaning and then later on it cuts to him going i'm a man now and you're like "Mm, did he just like really like and then also there's the pleasure galaxy mentioned several times that i'm just like really hey but to be fair that was the 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 princess's pleasure palace like it wasn't like you know, and they also give uh, the the lady that comes in with Flash Gordon, like she basically has her own private harem at some point, and it's like you know what? Yeah, this movie's kind of backwards, I mean, but at least they have... try to empower women's sexuality a few times. No, she doesn't have the harem. The emperor has the harem. I mean, I, I did totally blank out halfway through the movie, so okay. yeah, maybe she uh... became in charge of that harem. But like, <laughs> I don't. Mm-hmm. Okay, the Empress definitely kind of has her harem, but I just, no, it's just, okay, how about this? It should be a show Game of Thrones quality, at least. Okay, I'll, I'll give you It definitely should not be PG. It, that, that's like, it, this definitely should not be PG. This should be a TVMA plot. Well, I mean, this, this was 1980, so this was prior to them coming up with the 13. Because this probably would have been PG-13 with the level of violence, even though it's cartoony. It still has some pretty gruesome scenes in it of like people's <laughs> yeah. like eyeballs like popping out of their skulls and stuff. But we're getting exactly ahead of ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we are. We're getting very much ahead of ourselves. So I, I am usually pretty great at keeping up with the notes so that I can go through the plot of the movie, but I kind of gave up probably 10 minutes within this movie <laughs> on actually focusing on it, because it just <laughs> would not hold my attention at the time that I was watching it, probably because of how much it degraded the women and how annoying the main character, Flash Gordon, actually is. Um, but this movie starts with you don't even see him. You just hear him talking. Um, his name is Emperor Ming, the Merciless, is mm-hmm. looking at Earth through basically a target. And he decides that he's going to mess up with it for a bit, which is basically just screwing with the weather and causing earthquakes and, you know, typical end of the world stuff. Um, basically just because he's bored. And well, they they explain later the the whole reason for that is that... He likes to torment civilizations uh, with just these random acts of, like, natural disasters. Or not even natural disasters, but if the civilization isn't smart enough to figure out that he's the Mm. one causing it, then he says, okay, they're safe. I don't have to worry about them. I'll let them be. Yeah. But in this case, like Earth, because the scientist Zarkov was like, Mm. no, I know that somebody out in space is doing this. And even built a rocket to, like, go and confront him for some reason. Uh, that basically put a big target on Earth and set it for destruction. Yeah, basically it's like if somebody does recognize what I'm doing is unnatural and that they're being attacked, then therefore that those people, that planet can revolt against me and take me out, so I must destroy it. That's that's Ming's whole thought and what he ta- tells the Dr. Zarkov, which Dr. Zarkov is like, oh, that means I'm the reason you're destroying Earth? And Ming is like, yes, to which... Interesting enough, nobody believed Zarkov, so really, Earth wouldn't have done anything anyway, because humans... <laughs> like, yeah, I, people I wouldn't just, have known anything. This is this yeah. one guy. This one guy knew yeah. what was going on. Just Kill this him one guy. He's... That's not... No, the rest is dumb. That's like... 99% is dumb. Like... 
So before no. we start getting too much into the plot, uh, I have a challenge for you. What? So in a nutshell, what mm-hmm. is the basic premise of Flash Gordon? The basic premise is a football star gets accidentally launched to a planet in which she accidentally causes a revolt in. <laughs> yeah. And becomes a superhero because he's a football star. I guess. Well, not quite a superhero. He is a superhero uh, because he, he he's a, a member hero, of the yeah. Jets. Yes. There you go. Um, yeah. He's a celebrity. Yes. Now, this movie, I was trying to figure out how to how to uh, encapsulate this movie. Because at first I was like, well, this has like shades of like Big Trouble in Little China, especially with some of the more elaborate costumes. Um, it has little bits and pieces of other sci-fi movies as well. Um, mm-hmm. There's a, definitely a little bit of Star Wars, a little bit of Dune. Um, a little bit of Vegas ulti- Showgirls. <laughs> yeah. Ultimately, I was like, you know what? This is Thor Ragnarok. If Thor Ragnarok was made in 1980, this is what it would have been. You have a blonde guy who, in one movie, is an athlete with a strong arm. In the other one, he has a hammer and a strong arm. You know, they go to a strange planet where there's a weird overlord. There's a, you know, hole in the sky that they need to fly through. There's a a race of winged men. And, you know, it's, there's just... The Valkyries are not winged men. (laughs) They're winged, beautiful, badass women, damn it. Yeah, I mean that's the only real change, honestly, is that the <laughs> reversal of the genders there. But yeah, this is essentially Thor Ragnarok, except in much less capable hands, with a much lower budget, and with just some of the worst writing. But the music was pretty on par, I would say, <laughs> and that's thanks to Queen, which uh, you know they were famously contracted to do the soundtrack to this and gave us one of the best theme songs of all time. It re- it really is a top theme song that. You know that psh, flash, psh, ah, like it's just, that. That is pretty solid. Ooh. I think I might have heard the song first on my Queen's Greatest Hits collection CD before I oh, yeah. actually watched this movie, and I was like, "Same oh. here." Before I knew yeah. what that was, I'm like, "This is a really wacky song." It had like oh, pieces yeah. of dialogue in it. Yeah, and I'm like, "What is this?" And like somebody and then, years later is like, "Oh, it's from a movie." I was like, "Oh, oh I should watch I, that." Yeah, you're like that makes sense, and then you watch it, and you're like, "Oh." Queen was the only good thing about this. Basically, uh, for yeah. Me, at least. <laughs> so, the other problem with this movie is that although the, st- the story itself could be pretty simple, like it's a guy who unwittingly becomes a hero and saves the world. Um, yes. There is just so much random shit that happens from point A to point C. Too much. That it's like, like at some point, Flash dies in this movie. Twice. Doesn't he die twice? <laughs> I I think he only <laughs> died the times. one time. But nevertheless, like know. yeah, like he dies, he's brought back to life, he goes to like three different planets, he like tries to unite two different races, he has battles to the death like two th- three different times. Um like there's just this movie is all over the place. Oh. And it, yeah. right from the start, like the fact that he's waiting for a charter plane, he ends up riding it with some lady who's like a, I don't know, a journalist, I want to say. I can't even remember what they said her profession was. She is a travel agent. 
from what I understand. Because okay. he says that weird joke about how a person who likes to travel is afraid of flying. Is oh, yeah, afraid of right. flying, yeah, in the beginning. Which, like, to be fair, I am also afraid of flying in tiny private jets. <laughs> okay, that's fair. So, if we're going to try to break down the plot, it starts with them waiting for the charter plane. They get on. Uh, one of the mm-hmm. natural disasters that Ming the Merciless is unleashing on the planet is called Hot Hail. Yeah, that's natural, NASA. <laughs> can, can we get to the point where NASA is like, oh, no, everything's okay. Everything's fine. Even though the sun is red and also like, magma is falling from the and sky. Like, flammable chunks of ice are landing on the ground and everybody's like, oh, no, that's fine. No big deal. It's normal. So yeah. the, right away, because I was, I, I was paying attention to this movie. I, I really was. I was trying to be like, okay, I'm in. Um, I'm so The sorry. very beginning I, I when they're... <laughs> <laughs> no, I gave up too. I think I gave up around the same time you did, as a matter of fact. Um, okay, good. So right at the beginning, when the airplane is flying, Ming the Merciless personally abducts the pilots of this plane. Yeah. Like bef- before this moment, like you don't really know what's going on. Everything's kind of happening out in space. Like you said, there's just like this target that's just kind of like looking at random places on earth and you see like this control panel with all of these different natural disasters and it looks like just the cheapest kind of set design where it's literally like just a big square area and these glowing buttons that somebody just put stickers of like you know the font of like hot hail earthquakes hurricane and like like these buttons look like they belong on the control panel of a bumper car like, that's how mm-hmm. cheesy these look. And so the plane is flying, and the pilots are like, oh, this is some weird turbulence or whatever going on. And Flash is like some kind of airplane expert where he's saying, hey, why don't you guys fly a little lower? You can skip this whatever, like, okay. rough spot or whatever. Okay, I'm going to cut you here because I liked how that scene was basically like, yes, he is a football star, but also he's smart because he knows how turbulence works, guys. <laughs> like That, to me, was what that scene was establishing. Also, by the way, he knows how to fly planes because he's always wanted to learn, and since he's rich, he gets to learn. Like, Which is also important because the pilots disappear, and Flash is like, I can fly this. And she's like, but can you land? And he's like, I was hoping you wouldn't ask that. Because naturally, <laughs> he didn't quite know how to land. <laughs> that was the first hint that the writing was just going to be like above average in this movie. Above. So above? Ming, <laughs> above average, yes. Ming the Merciless suddenly appears as a ghostly apparition. Somehow, I, you don't really see what happens. He just kind of appears. The pilots scream. You hear a bunch of noise. Flash goes in to check on them. The pilots are gone. For some reason, yeah. Ming the Merciless targeted this one single plane in the whole world and just decided, you know what? Fuck these pilots. Kick yeah. them out of the plane somehow. I don't know what he did with them. So then they're left to their own devices. And yes, they crash land the plane. Yep. While, this all, yeah. Yeah. while this is they- all happening, a doctor wakes up. Uh, Dr. Zarkov yep. um, and his assistant are like, hey, it's happening. Like, the alarms are going off. And the doctor's like, I knew it. It's time. You know, whatever. We're under attack. And so he's starting to make preparations to launch this rocket because apparently he knows exactly what's happening here. And he's he pulls a gun out. I think he's threatening his assistant to get in the rocket because he's going to send them to fight 
Mink the Merciless or something? Against his will, mind you. Yeah. Um, but something, oh yeah, something happens. The plane crashes into his lab. <laughs> yeah, there you <laughs> the, go. The plane, holding, the plane holding Flash and uh, I think her name is Dale Arden. Dale, um, they yes. crash it in there. It took me probably 45 minutes to figure out what her name was, by the wow. way. Wow. You know That's what? Not worth it. Attention. Yeah, you could have learned how to like macrame or something in that time instead. This would have been better useful. Um, so, Flash, Gordon, Dale, Arden, and the Doctor now go into the spaceship because the Doctor tricks them into thinking that there's spa- uh, there's a phone in there they can use because they just survived yeah. the plane crash. Like they're totally fine. Um, the Doctor then pulls out the gun. Flash uh-huh. pretends like he's going to leave, but then he kind of bounces back and knocks a gun out, which starts the launch sequence of the rocket. So now it's too late. The door closes. They're like, okay, well, we're, all, we're, we're locked in. We might as well buckle up. So <laughs> they take off into space. There's a wormhole, apparently, right outside the atmosphere that they fly through. And now they're in wherever this other place is this with other worlds that are just... Like, you can see Mongo. other planets. Sorry, it's yes, planet, planet Mongo. And the other planets are the moons of planet Mongo. And those planets are the ones that he had destroyed. I remember yeah. the Empress, the, not the Empress, the, the daughter of Emperor Ming saying that, oh, he keeps the ones he destroys as moons. Make yeah. out with me. That's how she said it. <laughs> so... I want to say that was like the first seven minutes of the movie. And already this has just gone off completely off the rails. Yep. So, they, yeah, they get to planet Mongo and which and basically they, they get, you know, captured by they look like ancient samurai armor kind of thing. <laughs> um, basically captured by that. And then they go before emperor ming and he's having like i guess in a throne room like area he is addressing all of his people i would assume and it's all these people that he has taken over basically like he's forced you know like you know they've got to be nice to him because he's all powerful or whatever and i guess the only reason why he's all powerful is that he has this ring that does things for some reason but um, it's not very clear like a lot of this movie Yes, and this is where I get that the Vegas showgirl because all the women that are in his harem, which is a ridiculous amount of women, are wearing basically Vegas showgirl outfits of like the bikinis and the feathers, like a kind of more sci-fi version of it. But they they definitely are are wearing that, and not to mention you have this this scene of a woman dragging a little person on a leash for some reason, like yes, several that of was- them. That was the uh, the emperor's daughter, and that little person was uh, an actor by the name of Deep Roy. Uh, I was going to get to that at some point. Um, <laughs> that was the actor that played all of the Oompa Loompas in the Johnny Depp version of the Willy Wonka movie. Oh, dude, I thought his face looked familiar. Okay. Yeah, and he's been in a lot of stuff. Like, he's done a lot of uh, other movies as well. But That's yeah, cool. this was one of his earliest roles, and... You know, I'm I, glad he he moved up. <laughs> yeah, me too. Because it definitely would. I don't. I don't imagine it being the role of the century for a little person. You know, it just. It was very. <laughs> I mean, yeah, degrading like, I, and a, very, a lot of people were like, being degraded here. Yes, a lot of people were. The women definitely were. The the little 
um, person definitely was. I, I, I was just very confused because I don't think they ever come back. Did they ever come back in the movie? Because once again, I kind of clocked out during this movie. But, no, I think that's yeah. pretty much it. Yeah. I feel like it might have been a way to say this empress is evil because I feel like it wanted you to think she was super evil from the beginning. But then she does like a redemption arc kind of thing. And I feel like, how do we determine she's evil? Oh, we have her drag little people on a leash around. Like, okay. Yeah, that would that would make you evil. <laughs> but I yeah. just, I don't, it was just weird. Um, also, this is where you get introduced to, I think they were called hawk people. I assume. But they yeah. they look like Vikings. Not Vikings. They 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 look like a people that that were you know, that had wings. They were Valkyries, say, but they, they were mainly they, male. Like they're dressed kind of like the Spartans from Three Hundred. Yeah, there you go. That's what I was trying to think. Yeah, they look yeah. like like Spartans from Three Hundred, but they've got wings as well. That is yeah, basically what they are. Um, you're introduced to a few other cultures. I think his name was Varen. Uh, there was somebody up, named Varen in yeah. some part there. Yeah, yeah, he ends up being pretty important later on, and I can't remember what the other cultures were, but basically, all these people are repressed and under an emperor that they don't like because he's a total dictator. And but they haven't been able to come together to revolt because the emperor has, you know, all the things that empires have, which is like a money and be power and see people that will just be pawns for them and go and kill a bunch of people like it's yeah there's that um during this meeting ming sees dale and wants her to be prepared for his pleasure which this well, is where before that <laughs> though before that he doesn't he shows us an example of his power by like controlling her yeah, and that like, that was the preparing for his pleasure. Like he wanted oh, to see okay. how he would react to him. Was he he uses his like ring on her and it makes this like red mist around her and basically it's like she's reacting sexually to this red mist and she has no memory of what she happens when it stops. Um <laughs> which I think this might have been where I clocked out not during that because you know Emperor Ming can be evil, but when it stops and she's like oh no what happens flash gordon is like something spectacular and i was like dude she, <laughs> she's like no that was harassment dude like that was assault like what are you talking about dude like no this is not okay she doesn't remember what happened and she it looked like she was having sexual relations while she was standing there like it's just mm, no flash that's not what you say and also the fact that flash was very much interested in the entire harem and Dale had to be like, hey, don't forget me. And I'm like, ew, gross. Like, why? Um, and then, of course, after that, Ming is like, ooh, she reacted differently because she's human, I guess. So, therefore, she should be in my harem and he's going to take her. And, and, and then Flash decides to fight them off with football. Yeah, I mean, that's where his skill set is. So, I mean, they're just, fortunately, so this audience that the emperor was hosting was uh, for tributes. So ah. the different races were bringing, like, something or other as a gift or, like, as a, as a token of their 
uh, undying loyalty. Mm-hmm. And so one of the races has a bunch of, like, basically Faberge eggs, like these jade-looking gold filigree eggs, which yeah, happen to be shaped, shaped exactly like footballs, yeah. Yep. So Flash gets the idea of using these as weapons, but rather than actually fighting, it kind of just devolves into, like, him actually just playing football. Yeah, Like, he's running much. through the other, like, guards... And like he's cradling the football, like he's trying to go to the end zone, and mm-hmm. he's you know, he's looking to give a pass, and he throws the ball to others and hits him with it. It's like, okay, I, I understand the concept of this scene. The execution was just so bad. Yep, it was, it was not great. Like especially because you had I don't even know what his name was, but the emperor's I guess right hand man man yeah oh the the dude that looks like skeletor basically yes the dude that looked like skeletor but with a golden mask um that was clitus clitus okay so and he was basically like the guards are like what do we do and he's like it's an archaic game just match him and then they literally get and form a defensive line to which i'm like oh my god (laughs) like yeah what is this um so he ends up losing because Dr. Zarkov whacks Flash in the head with a ball accidentally because he's a doctor, so he doesn't know how to throw. And Ming orders Zarkov to be reprogrammed and Flash to be executed. But Ming's daughter, Princess Ara, um, she seduces the surgeon to save Flash's life. Because, oh, she told her dad, Emperor, that I want that one. Don't kill him. And he's like, I don't care what you want. And and, and there's there's that. Yay. And also you get a really weird... Okay, so you get a scene where Dale goes to join the harem and flashes in the dungeon with his arms chained up high and he's wearing a weird helmet head which makes absolutely zero sense because it's literally a box on his head with spikes going out and all i could think of was that if he escapes all he has to do is headbutt people and they're dead with that thing like (laughs) it doesn't seem like it's torturing him it just seems like it's turning him into a weapon but okay um but dale gets to say goodbye to flash and there's an hourglass in the room to like when the sands flow out that's the end of your time kind of thing and all I, and there's literally a scene where Dale grabs that hourglass and she's like, if only I can't flip it over. And I'm just sitting there thinking about Wizard of Oz for some reason. Not even for some reason, because there's that scene in which the Wicked Witch of the West tells Dorothy when this hourglass sand runs out, you will be dead. And this hourglass can't be flipped over. <laughs> like, like, I'm like, why are we referencing the Wizard of Oz? Is this intentional? Like... This feels really weird and wrong in this movie with this scene of Dale and Flash kind of sort of confessing their love for each other. And then also all these really creepy looking dudes in the dungeon just kind of like, ooh, what's happening? Like, in the background. Now, I wanted to bring up those dudes in the in the dungeon because yes. when they first arrived to this palace, um, something they call a lizard man tries to escape and it gets mm-hmm. vaporized. Yes. And you're like, that looked like a really weird, cheap-looking costume, but I'm sure mm-hmm. it was like not 
that, that I, it, I probably just didn't look at it close enough. No, no, those are really cheap costumes. Yes. The lizard men have their faces inside their mouth because they're basically just wearing like a onesie. Yeah. And like their face is literally sticking out of the mouth of the creature that they're supposed to be dressed as. There's no eyes, no face on the head. Their face mm-hmm. is inside their mouth. Not only that, they never close their mouths. It's always wide open. So it just looks like a cheap-looking red face with eyes with a permanently stuck-open mouth. And it's just Mm -hmm. like the cheapest-looking fabric. For a movie that obviously put a lot of money and a lot of budget into like its costume designs, they really skimped on the lizard men. Oh, they did. But another part of me is like, I watched this, and I assume you watched it too, because I only found this movie available on Prime to rent. And I rented the HD version of it. And so yeah. I assume you rented. So part of me thinks that something should not be high definition. <laughs> because back when they were making movies, they didn't have this high definition. So they were like, you can go cheap in the costume because the details aren't going to come out. It's going to look like a lizard man from afar. Um, the biggest example I can think of this is actually the Wizard of Oz, again, is... When you first see the Wizard of Oz when you were a kid and she goes out into actual Oz and its color, it looks so utterly beautiful. And you're watching it on like the VHS version or the TV, made for TV version, whatever. So it's a little grainy and it's not quite clear or anything, but it's color and it's gorgeous and plants and stuff. But now I own the Blu-ray of the Wizard of Oz and I watch it and I see that scene and it just looks like Tupperware lids. Like the flowers (laughs) look like plastic. You're like, that's not pretty. That's that's unsustainable like that's what it looks like and i i definitely think there is a reason why we shouldn't turn all movies into high definition or especially 4k ultra like just no that was made in the early 80s we should not be able to see every single detail oh you shouldn't have you have you seen star wars in, in high def the original trilogy uh, I mean, I own the Blu-ray version of it, so yeah, I guess. Yeah, if you watch, uh, I remember I was shocked when I first saw A New Hope in Blu-ray. Because you can see Dave Prowse, the actor that played Darth Vader, you can see his eyes very clearly through the lenses in high def. Oh, yeah. And that yeah. was really jarring. Yeah. I was like, this doesn't look right. I don't like this. Yeah, like, I've, I really feel like things should be should stay in how they were filmed to be in, if that makes sense. Because that's what they were aiming for. <laughs> if you go so too I much, sh- too high quality, you're just like, I don't need to know that Tom Cruise has three zits on his chin. Not that I remember any movie in which that happened. But, like, for example, like... <laughs> you know, this you makes know. sense now. I understand why the the rental for the, the Flash Gordon was three ninety nine for mm-hmm. HD. And you yep. can buy it for four ninety nine, but only in SD. And I'm like... That doesn't make any sense. And I was like, oh, okay, no, they understand. They know that people will realize, oh, no, the HD is garbage. We need to get this in as low a quality as possible to be able to, like, enjoy it and not see all the glaring, like, issues with the, you know, that comes with high def. So it's basically extortion. They're like, haha, if you ever want to see this again and not want to throw up, then you have to pay more for the lower quality version. I was like, genius. That is some straight-up evil, like, Dr. Evil shit. Yeah, it, it's okay, Amazon. I don't want to ever see this again. <laughs> um, but, okay, so back to the actual movie. Um, 
Flash. We're still like only in like the first 15 minutes. We really are. And we're like 30 <laughs> minutes into this podcast. So. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like the, the actual <laughs> plot is like nothing, but the details are just details. insanity. The people. So Dale is now part of the harem and she's basically, you know, looking all pretty in her harem self. And um, Princess Ara saves Flash from getting, well, not from getting executed, but she she's reawakens him basically by forcing the surgeon to miraculously heal him because now i did also want to bring up on this stupid scene of his death so he's put in this elaborate coffin with a plaque that was custom made for him yes but he was going to be i think they said he was going to be cremated maybe i don't remember exactly but they were going to dispose of the body somehow so they make this Mm -hmm. huge casket and they housed it inside this really ornate mausoleum mm-hmm. with this huge plaque that says Ming the Merciless killed Flash Gordon. Yep. And they even did it with the same lettering as his like own personal logo because he walks around with a shirt that says Flash on it. And yeah. That's like his own trademark. And I'm like, what? Why? Like Ming the Merciless is one of the most anal but yet perfectionist emperors out there like he just has to have everything so precise uh-huh. that like there's like this worthy adversary of mine has to have like the top like funeral and like execution and all of that it's for no it's, real reason yeah it's just power play it's just how powerful and rich you are basically but <laughs> i guess yeah princess ara saves him because she wants him and as they escape, they see Zarkov being brainwashed by Clytus. Yes. Clytus. And basically, Zarkov gets all his memories wiped, and you see all of his memories. Didn't need to see all that. Even up to his conception. Definitely didn't need to see that. Not that yep. you see his conception. <laughs> you hear it, and then you see his fetus. It, whatever. Okay. That was weird. Anyway. And then... <laughs> they also put in they program him basically and the the lady was supposed to program him only to level three as Clytus said but she's like eh screw that for some reason and she programmed him to level six and it could have killed him but it didn't it just basically I assumed assured that the programming didn't work but um let's see and then as Flash and Aura are leaving Ara first teaches him how to fly a rocket ship, and she also makes out with him while he's trying to fly it, because logic, and then Well, because Flash he, he learns, explained, yeah. or it was already set up earlier that he knows about flying planes. <laughs> yeah, well, she's like, well, you already know, so I'm just going to make out with you. Like, okay, yeah. lady. But then, meanwhile, Dale is basically drugging herself so she can have her first night with the emperor and she's given a very special drink that will not make her forget her night with the emperor but make her not care about the memories like okay um so it's so like a roofie basically it yeah it's well it's like a roofie but you're conscious which is uh even worse i guess i'm assuming okay, yeah I don't, it, no. it's still a date rape drug Let's let's not gloss over one of my favorite scenes in the movie is um, so 
the empress or the princess, Princess Aura, that's her name, Princess Aura,、mm-hmm. she demonstrates that they have like this telepathy machine, like telepathic telephone. And he was like, "Hey, can I use that to call Dale?" And she was like, "I guess I can show you how it works, but like, you know, I don't know what's in it for me." And he was basically like, "Well, I mean, like, we'll make out or something." And so she puts the thing on his head, and he starts trying to contact her. And so Dale starts to think she's going crazy because now she can hear like who. At this point, she doesn't realize Flash is still alive.、Mm-hmm. She was like, "Oh, like, why am I hearing Flash's voice in my head? Am I going crazy?" And Flash is like, "No, I'm really here. Like, I got brought back to life.、Um, I'm going to try to save you or whatever." But then Princess Aura just can't wait, so she starts to like crawl into his lap and start like making out with him. So then he starts thinking or starts telepathically sending the messages that he's getting turned on, and、yeah. Dale's like, "What? <laughs> What? Like really?" And he's like, "Oh no, not you!" And she's like, "What?" <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, oh my god. See, this is where this is another scene where I'm like, this might as well just be TVMA, like, just go all out. Like, <laughs> I didn't think I would agree with you on this, but you're right. This this would have benefited from just being the full frontal at that point. Yeah, it really just because the rest of it is so utterly ridiculous. It's just like, why not just be an erotica already? But um. <laughs> Um. So Dale figures out he's alive, and she decides she's going to escape, and she escapes by basically switching herself with with another woman, a slave, I guess. She convinces、yeah. the the slave to drink that druggy drink, and she gets her tired, and then swaps their outfits, and she runs away. Does does a very impressive. Run away for somebody who doesn't know how to fight or shoot a gun, because、um, she yeah she attacks guards. She does a cartwheel and shoots at the same time for some reason.、Um, yeah, I mean these are really inept guards. To be fair, yeah they they really are. But she doesn't keep the gun. She instead picks up the little slip on high heels, which are like the most ridiculous things to wear. Are slip on high heels because there's no way to easily move in them. But they the complete、worst. the outfit, you know. Like without the heels, you just look ridiculous. <sighs> <laughs> I mean, no, never with slip on high heels. <laughs> But,、uh, um, and then she runs into the doctor, who has now been reprogrammed, seemingly, I guess. And because、yeah, not really. Yeah, not really. But that was a really fast. Oh no, I'm fine now. <laughs> like, okay.、Um, Yeah, I got I got better, but、uh, <laughs> um. So he and then they basically are going to use him to take her outside of the palace. They're going to use them in some way. I don't know what. And Princess Ara has taken Flash to Prince. What was his name? Baron Baron. Prince. Yeah, Baron's place. Which is where you get that weird initiation scene in a swamp, basically. I don't even know. And Baron, what? I don't know. But basically, Aura gets captured. Well, it turns out that Aura、yeah. was consorting with Baron. Yeah. And plotting to possibly overthrow the emperor. Yeah, there you go. But then, yeah, you're right. She gets caught. 
and then gets interrogated and tortured yep. at the command of her own father, no less. Um, yep. And uh, yeah, that's how you, you know, they reveal that there's uh, you know some treachery going on in the the different moons mm-hmm. of Mongo. Which you kind of sort of got anyway, because like it's it's an you know he's an evil dictator emperor. Of course, there's treachery going on. Like, come on, nobody wants to be. No, whatever. Um, yeah, and then Flash ends up. I don't know the the relationship between Baron and Flash is interesting because it's like they challenge each other and fight each other to the death through weird poisonous games of chicken. I guess. Yeah, and well, two alpha males, you know, they just have to yeah. assert dominance. <laughs> yes. Um, this is, I'm by far clocked out, and uh, honestly, while I was watching this movie, I just started buying bargain books. Cause, <laughs> 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 like, was not fully paying attention, but... Um, and, but... But then Flash ends up winning and escapes, and he... Baron goes to chase him, and they both get chap- captured by the Hawkmen, which are probably the most interesting characters. Even though they yes. were like gladiators with wings, they were definitely fun. Yeah, they were very boisterous and just like outgoing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, um, the Empress, um, not Empress, Princess Ara is getting tortured by the Kaleidos guy, who apparently has a thing for her. Yeah, so he tortures so- her. Yeah. I'm assuming that he enjoyed whipping her across the back. Yeah, and then the boar worm thing. Yes, not the boar worm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after they decide that she's sufficiently rehabilitated, they throw her into the harem with Dale. Mm-hmm. And Dale doesn't trust her, so they have a little bit of a fight, but then they quickly get over it, and then they become friends. Oh, yeah. No. Okay. No. That scene. Uh Uh-uh. Okay. So, yeah. They get in a little bit of a fight. So, Dale goes from taking out and shooting down guards and doing cartwheels with all the other guards to pillow fight and pulling hair. And I'm like, oh, my bejesus. And how Aura says, no, I'm good now, is Aura's like, look, there's water coming from my eyes. I am crying. Like, I am human now. Like... Don't you believe me? And Dale's like, yeah, I believe you. I just don't trust you. And I'm just like, what the hell just happened? Again, that that writing is just like above average right there. Above? (laughs) (laughs) Once again, no. But um, I just, mm, no. And then also, meanwhile, you're getting Flash and Baron are once again fighting each other over a moving plate with spikes they're both fighting each other by whipping at each other and if you fall on it you die some very erotic uh, undertones to that whole situation you're gonna get whipped and possibly penetrated by floor spikes this whole movie is erotic undertones. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're right you know I, i've never thought well i mean granted when i first saw this movie i was a kid so i didn't really understand a lot of this surprisingly because i mean i feel like i've been very hyper aware about these kinds of things but this one did it more subtly than i would have given it credit for but it's definitely all there absolutely oh yeah it's all there um (laughs) there's a lot of moaning and groaning in the background john you didn't ever (laughs) like okay i have i have bad hearing so maybe i I checked that on those (laughs) 
That's true. Um, what happens? Oh, basically, okay, Alts, when they're having their fight, Clytus arrives to figure out what's going on with the Hawkman. Oh, because Dale is also there. I forgot. Between that time, weirdly, Dale had escaped. You jumped ahead too much. Dale had escaped oh. with Zarkov, and and they get... He takes her to the Hawkmen, and the Hawkmen are like, well, we're going to give you back to prove that we're loyal, even though we're not loyal, because, you know, F that guy and Brooming. And um, and then that's when Flash comes in with Baron, and they make Flash and Baron fight to the death, and, and then Clytus comes in to get Dale and the Doctor, and Clytus, and then Flash ends up rallying people together to fight Clytus, and Clytus ends up falling on the spike, and that's where you get the eyeball pop-out scene. That was just excellent. Honestly, yeah. that was that, probably I mean, my favorite part of the whole movie. <laughs> it made it made no sense why that would happen, but it was it pretty awesome. No, the eyeball pop up. It definitely kind of sort of reminded me of the thing a little bit, just in how it looked. I thought it, it was like a like like as well, yeah. It yeah, reminded it, me of like when you pour salt on a slug, and like it just starts to kind of like just destroy itself. Like I was like, oh, this maybe he was like a slug alien underneath all that armor. Oh, oh, poor, poor slug. Um, but um, yeah, it. But yeah, it. It wasn't quite as like high quality as the thing puppetry was. But no, and they weren't it. that far apart either. They were only like a year apart, and very big difference in quality. Yeah, that that is that is true. Um. Then I guess I don't know. It's exhausting to try to recollect this movie, isn't it? It really is, because I really (laughs) was fully clocked out. I think I looked up for the fight against Clytus and went, oh, hey, he's dead, and laughed because of how he died. (laughs) And then, okay, Ming Ming comes in, and this is where you get Dale. Oh, okay, that's what happens. Ming (laughs) comes in, takes them all, and Dale is like, if you don't kill these two people... Oh, no. Okay, so he gets Dale and Zarkov, and Baron, I think. But Flash and the Hawkman escape, I think. I don't know. They're they're elsewhere. Anyway. Anyway. Um, yes. Yes, he orders Baron, Zarkov, and Dale to be taken aboard. And Ming's impressed with Flash and offers him lordship over Earth in exchange for loyalty. Flash refuses... I'm literally reading this from Wikipedia because I do not remember the scene (laughs) at all. (laughs) Flash refuses and Ming orders to destroy Voltan's kingdom along with Flash. Voltan's kingdom was the Hawkman kingdom. And basically Flash gets out. But Dale and Zarkov and Baron are captured and Dale basically says, look, if you don't kill Zarkov and Baron, I will be your wife. Because why wouldn't that be? As opposed to just being the harem. She's like, you know what? I'll just be your wife. There we go. Yeah. That's that's a thing that happens. And then that's also where you get the scene of her and Princess Ara fighting. Now, Flash gets in contact with Voltan, the Hawkman guy. And he's like, we gotta attack Mingo City. With his rocket cycle. Yeah, that thing. <laughs> Man, so much is happening, and we're not even so close to the end yet. So much is happening. 
no we're about 20 minutes i think maybe yeah. maybe 30 <laughs> probably um <laughs> um so princess ara ends up um i don't i don't even know what happens there you go but basically flash gathers the hawkmen to go and attack ming city Meanwhile, Princess Ara is doing her own thing on the inside as much as she can with Dale. And, and while Dale's getting ready to get married in a really kind of sort of cool black costume, I gotta say. Didn't quite hate all the costumes in this. Um, no, and, yep. And the fight is pretty brutal. Laser space fight. Hawkmen are falling from the sky and lasers are being shot at the ship that Flash is piloting. And meanwhile, the Flash does this like self-sacrificing scene, and which basically is gonna like kamikaze into Ming's ship where the wedding is. And the Hawkman's like, "No, you'll die." And Flash is like, "What's one life per billion?" Thinking he's gonna save Earth. Whatever. You get this really weird long scene of Hawkman being like, "No, don't do it." And Flash is like, "I'm a hero," and. <laughs> Flash crashes into the wedding and literally crashes into Emperor Ming and impales him with the front of the ship. While Baron and Princess Ara are staging a coup within that ship. Yes, and everybody yep. wins. And everybody's mm -hmm. happy. There you go. That's how it goes, I think. I basically slept through this part. <laughs> yeah. And then you get the end in which Flash ends up with Dale and Princess Ara ends up with Baron, who she was in love with the whole time. And now that she's human and she can cry, now she'll be monogamous, I guess. I don't know. And I mean, as long as she still has that pleasure planet. I know, right? Um, but and then um, there's this weird joke where Flash is like, oh, Oh, where Baron was like, you guys could stay here. We're going to be the new emperor and empress. And Flash is like, hmm, I don't know. What do you think, Dale? And Dale's like, haha, I'm a New York City girl. This place is too quiet for me. The end. <laughs> and then cut to freeze frame. Cut to free freeze frame. Um, that, that's basically the ending. Yeah, I, just I mean, basically... <laughs> I feel like dissertations could be written about the plot of this movie yes. and just how dense everything was. Like, how was this movie, how did it feel like it was four hours long in just a span of one hour, 30 minutes? It was not one hour, 30 minutes. It was, it was one hour, 45, I think. I don't know. It definitely felt like five hours to me. Um, yeah. <laughs> which you I know, remember. I so I, I texted the Geekly, which is... Um, like not the geekly i texted our geeks watch podcast our little group text as i was watching this because i was like i always i remember watching this yet i never understood why i never got through it and they always thought the reason why i never got through it was because it was so long but then i realized watching it now it's not long i never got through it because it's ridiculous <laughs> like, i always thought it was like a five-hour movie like no it's a super long stupid sci-fi movie no it's it's just a bad movie that feels very long because there's so much happening in it that you can't keep track of yeah. and doesn't quite make sense. 
either. Like, I definitely... So, we, I kind of want to do this thing where we determine whether or not these movies should be redone or if they're great as they are or if we should get a sequel. I honestly, as much as I didn't love this movie, didn't even really like this movie, I do think I kind of want to see a modern interpretation of this as a show. Okay. Like, a, I feel like it would be pretty interesting to, A, modern it up, stop degrading the women and take out some of those lines. I know this is technically based off a comic book that is older than 1980s, so of course it's oh, yeah, naturally this is filled from the with, 1930s. Yeah. yeah, so of course naturally the women representation isn't be great, but that doesn't mean you can't make it modern. You know, Marvel is doing a great way of taking their female characters and modernizing them and making them a bit more forward. <laughs> Have some but, substance, yeah. Yeah, and some substance. Like I definitely feel like I wouldn't I would probably like this if it was a 10-episode series on Netflix or HBO and was, like, TVMA. Not that that's important to me, but I feel like <laughs> when you have a thing like The Pleasure Planet, it kind of has to be TVMA. Um, and, like, and with good actors and with decent writing. Like, I feel like I would actually like this because it definitely is everything that you want from a sci-fi. It's the hero's journey. It's the the fighting and the lasers it's it's the a lot of characters that you can't quite keep up with and emperors are evil and rebellion creative visuals yes creative visuals i i I feel like i wouldn't hate seeing this as a modern show but it's got to be modernized it cannot stay the same (laughs) i think i would agree with you on that i think if this was done as a miniseries like on sci-fi but then i think about that and i get reminded of things like vagrant queen and I'm like, oh, but do we really want it then? See, this is why I said HBO or Netflix or even okay. maybe Hulu. Something with something with a budget that they can put behind it? Yes, basically. Okay. And I feel and like it probably writing. has enough of a cult following to be able to warrant that budget at this point. Like, I, I could feel see like a lot of people would be like, what? They're redoing Flash? That show was crazy. Like, And I also don't feel like it's that cult-loved that they'd be like, you can't redo that masterpiece. Like, it's one of those perfect where it does have an audience already, but also people aren't going to be like, you can't touch it kind of thing. See, one of the things about this movie... So, going a little bit into the production of this movie, the writer is the same writer who also worked on the 1966 Batman TV show. So, this movie Ah. came from a a point of like this is going to be like good can't be fun you know they were trying to mimic some of the same ideas behind the superman movie uh-huh. and star wars to some degree but this is definitely written with the sense of like this is just going to be a big goofy fun space adventure the actual comic strip that this is based on from the mm-hmm. 1930s wasn't this silly it was more in line with like John Carter of Mars, I want to say. Okay. Which I like. I mean, it was it was a, a Disney movie that didn't do very well, but I actually really liked. I thought it was really really well done for what it was. Yeah. Um, so this this movie is both very faithful to the source material, mm-hmm. but also has a complete departure tone wise. Because a lot of this looks like the old, the original, but it's performed like if it was a campy 1960s TV show. 
because the writer was from a campy 1960s TV show. And also from like a couple of James Bond movies, which is an interesting connection, seeing that we have a future James Bond in the cast of this movie. So, Okay, what James Bond movies? Uh, let's see. Timothy Dalton okay. was in The Living Daylights and View to a Kill, I believe. Okay. So, but wait, what did you say the writer also did a few James Bond movies, though? Yes. Oh, the ones that he wrote were... Yeah. Uh, which one was that, actually? Now I can't remember... Oh, no. The, he I'm just did, curious. It was one of the ones with um, Sean Connery, as a matter of fact. Uh, let's see here. Uh, oh, no. see, Never Say Never Again with Sean Connery. Which is not an official 007 movie, but like, okay. All right. I can see that. It's not official okay. in the sense that it wasn't from the same production company because there was like mm-hmm. a big legal dispute at that time. Oh, yeah. But it was James Bond. It just wasn't. With, like, the blessing of whatever, the company that did the James Bond movies. Yeah. Oh, no, I know. I I was a James Bond kid, and I had, like, the book that had, like, every single James Bond movie, like, a wiki, not a Wikipedia book. I can't remember what they're called. Encyclopedia um, back in the day. Yeah, no, it's, like, I don't know, specific, like, Expert Witness or something. Like, I can't even remember. But, um, but it was all James Bond, and that movie was not included in it. <laughs> Because it wasn't mm. an official movie. A lot of people don't include that one. Now, I understand not including the original Casino Royale, because that was more of like a comedy or a spoof um, that was yeah. just making fun of the, the tropes. But yeah. I don't know. I, I think um, that uh, Never Say Never Again isn't, you know, a bad version of a James Bond movie. It's no, just not an official one. Yeah, no, it definitely is a James Bond movie. It's just not official. Um, and it also, I think people also don't like it because Sean Carney did it well after he was James Bond within the official production, I think. So he was older and people don't tend to like an older Bond, I guess. Yeah, it, it, it it's weird because you imagine James Bond as like this immortal superhero and seeing him kind of older, a little bit more frail is kind of like off-putting. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Flash Gordon, a New York Jets football player, turn Earth savior hero slash friend to the planet Mingo. Mingo? Yeah, at Mongo. Do they still call it that planet, Mongo? <laughs> it's probably politically incorrect it. now. <laughs> yeah, it had to be something different now. Um, yeah, this is a movie that, uh, if, I mean, this is definitely the first official cult classic i think of the movies that we've watched so far on this podcast because this movie has a following like i remember sam jones was going to be at comic-con 1995 the first comic-con i ever went to and Mm -hmm. i dragged one of my uncles to take me um in san diego uh-huh. And he was just kind of like, whatever, like, that's this. I'm so not really into this right now. Mm-hmm. But then he found out that Sam Jones was going to be autographing Flash oh. posters, and he just was like, yes. So, yeah, he became all about it at that point. I was like, who's that? <laughs> like, I had no idea at that point because I didn't know anything about it. Um, so, yeah, this is definitely, I think, worth the watch at least once all the way yeah. through. Yeah. Anytime after that, it's just background noise. Um, yeah. 
I'd like to think that if you put this movie on the DVD that gives you the shuffle option, it wouldn't make a difference. <laughs> Watching this movie out of order, it'd still get the same level of entertainment out of it. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just It's not a good movie by any stretch, but I certainly enjoyed you know some of the awfulness the costumes were great to fun to look at the special effects were fun to make fun of (laughs) um you know there's a lot of really bad like you know rear projection and um i mean this came out three years after a new hope Mm -hmm. and the special effects looked like they were made like like several years prior like this is like 1960s (laughs) level yeah no uh, i mean like the Clash the, of the Titans, the original Clash of the Titans. <laughs> that's that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, this this looks on par with like the 1960s, like lots in space, almost like that's kind of oh, mean, yeah. but yeah, no. it's it's pretty yeah, bad. It's it's not the high budget quality that you're um, thinking. Oh, but. that's what it reminded me of. It, it's it's on par with Logan's Run. That's what this movie looks like. I don't think I've seen that one. Oh, you have to watch it. It's it's basically pre Flash Gordon. All right. It's got outlandish like <laughs> costumes, weird locations, robots that are clearly just somebody inside of it moving the arms around. It, it's great <laughs> stuff. Okay. All right. I'll have to check that out next. Oh, set, maybe. Sets that look like obvious miniatures because they <laughs> look like toys. Yeah, it's good stuff. You know what, oh. though? I did want to touch up on some of the people that are in this movie because this movie hired a lot of really talented people. Oh, um, yeah. Max von Sydow, who played Emperor Ming, which, by the way, we completely bypassed the whole uh, yellow face on this one. Um, but Max von Sydow was a very prolific actor, you know, coming from things like um, what was he? He was in, I think, The Exorcist. He was the voice of uh, Vigo the Carpathian in um, Ghostbusters 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he was in a lot of stuff. And most recently, I want to say the last, thing, the last big thing I remember him in, he was in a really brief and kind of thankless role in The Force Awakens at the beginning when he's talking to uh, Poe Dameron. Oh, he's the, okay, he's the guy that had the map to Luke Skywalker. Yes. Okay. Whom yeah, that you're led is to believe, okay. <laughs> that is yeah, a very big yellow face there. Oh yes, my gosh! I didn't absolutely. even like. I said I was not fully paying attention to this movie. Yes, this but, this this, wow. this was not a this was not an Asian man. <laughs> that is very bad. Oh my god! Yeah. He is very. Then bad. of course we already brought up Timothy Dalton. He played Prince Baron. He then came, went on to become James Bond for a couple of films. And then has gone on to do a few other things. Uh, he did one of my favorite appearances of his was as one of the Time Lords in the uh, David Tennant Doctor Who run. I thought that mm-hmm. was great. Yeah. Brian Blessed, the leader, Prince Volton of the Hawkman. Yep. Um, just a really fun character actor in this movie. He did a really great job. Um, you might know him best as Boss Ness in Episode 1, The Phantom Menace. Oh, okay. All there right. were a few, a few times when he's speaking, I'm like, oh, yeah, like I'm waiting for him to say, Misa, give you una bongo. <laughs> then uh, I also brought up earlier Richard O'Brien. Um, he played a very small part in the movie. He was one of the, oh, they're called Arboreans, by the way. The people that live on the tree planet are oh, okay. Arboreans, of course, because trees, whatever. Um, yeah, he was kind of like the guy that had a little, like a little lute or a little guitar 
and Prince Varen was like, "Can you please like stop that or whatever? Like stop playing." <laughs> Um, that was Richard O'Brien, who is most famous for being Riff Raff in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And then from there, you have a few other... Oh, okay. <laughs> a few other actors here and there. Um, I, I'm i not sure, because I haven't looked it up, but I think that the assistant in the lab, that uh, the doctor the doctor was first trying to like convince to get in the rocket ship... I think that was Porkins from episode four. Mm. I'd have to double check on that one, but I think that's who that was. I cannot remember the name of that character. Yeah, me neither. He was such a small little part that it didn't really matter. Um, And that's uh, pretty much all the big ones. William Hutkins found it. Uh, Oh, yeah, that was him. His name was Munson in the the movie. Mm Mm-hmm. So he played Porkins. Uh, really fun yep. fact, this actor is the only one actor to be in both a, a Star Wars movie, an Indiana Jones movie, and a Batman movie. Wow. <laughs> yep. It's just one of those lucky people that is not in big parts, but happens to be in big movies for some reason. Um, oh, and Robbie Coltrane. Uh, you may remember him more as Hagrid. He was the guy at the airfield directing Flash into the plane. What? <gasps> right? Okay. So, oh, yeah. He looks this completely is... different without the <laughs> hair and beard. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, who also happened to later appear in James Bond movies, again, with the James Bond reference. Um, so, yes, yeah. Yes, Golden. Uh, I, I think that's where I know him from. Yeah, he was in Goldeneye and one of the other ones, too. He plays the Russian dude, I think. Yes. Yes. That's exactly right. Yeah. Okay. Whose whose mistress was played by... um, Oh, what was her name now? I can't remember her name. But she was in Good Will Hunting, the the girlfriend from Good Will Hunting. Oh, right. I just remember her singing the Stand By Her Man. Yeah. Stand By Her Man really bad. And it sounds like strangling a cat. Um, <laughs> gosh, I, I like I never connected that he was the guy that was in James Bond movies. And this is also Hagrid. Wow, that's pretty neat. Minnie Driver, that also, was her name. Oh gosh, with a really awesome like red cowboy outfit or cowgirl outfit. Yeah, Golden Eyes, great. I love that movie. Oh, so yeah. Gosh. <laughs> Okay, I would like to note that the um, Deep Roy is the name of the little person actor. Yes. And how he's credited in the movie is as being Prince Ara's pet. That's, well, I mean, that's what it says on, Didn't even have on the Wikipedia on. page. It says Deep Roy as Fellini, Princess Ara's pet. And I'm like, oh my God. Okay. <laughs> Well, it's okay. I mean, it's not yeah. okay, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, it's a movie, a product of its time, and you know, nowadays, I'm sure there'd be a lot of disclaimers in the credits about how no little people were hurt in the making of this production or something. <laughs> gosh. Oh, Kenny um, Baker was in this movie. Huh? <laughs> Kenny Baker was in it. Okay. 
<laughs> yeah, he was he, he was credited as dwarf. Oh. So yeah. Not the most politically correct the uh, well, I mean, all of the, the harem oh, ladies okay. are called Exotic Girl in Ming's bedchamber for, like, the three different actresses that were in there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. See, this is one of those movies where it seems like the less you know about it, the better off you'll be at the end. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. no, I, I, I have to do the deep dives. So, yeah, I, I get engrossed in all these little minutiae. Oh, gosh. So, right. yeah. I mean, I would definitely oh. recommend this movie to anybody who hasn't seen it at least once. Watch it with grown-up eyes and remember that, you know, it's it's just, that's just not how it is anymore. No, it's not. But I would like to see it modernized. And also, there better be a female writer on the team. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it should be written by only females. And if you really want to push it that extra mile, why not make Flash a lady? Ooh, I like it. Yeah, really just role, role reversals, see how a woman would play yes. out with some of these situations. Have Ming still try to be like, all oh, like, hey, you know, like I want you for my harem and just have the new Flash just not have it, you know? And who would be a good female Flash? I would imagine someone like Katie Sackhoff. You know, you remember on our other podcast gates watch where mitch would ask me like who do you think should play princess ariel in the live action i'd be like i don't know names (laughs) okay i have no idea who i'd want because the only thing i can think of as blonde actress is jennifer lawrence or scarlett johansson because those are the ones i know the names of Hmm. um although i wouldn't hate scarlett johansson is there like a younger Scarlett Johansson-ish. Yeah, definitely. What about Elle Fanning, who we most recently saw in The Great? Would she be too small, too diminutive? Like, would we need somebody who's, like, statuesque? Well, A, like, A, we don't need to just think blonde actresses because, I mean, there are such things as wigs and hair dye. Of course. um, Yeah, but I feel like Elle Fanning would be fun in it i don't know if she would want to like because you have to be a football like there's no way you can change that he's a football player that's kind of sort of central to his character well, you, you can a- you can because the original comic he wasn't a football player oh. he was like a polo <gasps> player Ooh, that's even cooler what they so took away the polo they, what they thought yeah. american audience, audiences would not understand polo <laughs> i think they just wanted to update it with something more like because i mean there's no like rock star professional polo players but football would make more sense there so be. i mean you can update it now i mean what would be something that's more like it could be like venus williams maybe like tennis player <laughs> they oh, could have yeah, a scene where she just starts super like super cool like hitting racket balls at people in the the palace like little gemstones instead of like the Fabergé eggs just yeah oh, and like one awesome. of one of the the people in the court maybe had like a large fan that was shaped like a racket and like <laughs> takes it from you know that person yeah that would be great lacrosse would be pretty cool too i don't know if you have any but like lacrosse oh. is such an awesome sport and just yeah or oh baseball. in that case in fact in I that think, case yeah I want to say, who was the girl from Mean Girls? The the main plastic who eventually ends up playing lacrosse at the end of the movie? I nominate her. I, I think she name. could do a good one. Is it Amy something? I don't remember. 
yeah like i said i am not great with names i like actors i remember their character names more than i would remember their actual names <laughs> what was her what was her character's name sounded oh, I don't know. like oh it was rachel mcadams oh she was oh. she played she played regina george regina george yep that's a good one um I don't think it came out on VHS, though. Darn. Um, <laughs> now, if it was after 2006, not likely. Oh, by the way, quick callback to, I think, our first podcast that we did for this one. Um, I said that the last uh, VHS that was br- mm-hmm. like released uh, by studios was, I think I said, Hidalgo. Yeah. I had the wrong Viggo Mortensen movie. It was A History of Violence. Oh, really? Yes, yeah, so, so same actor, but wrong movie. Oh, res- history of... Uh, wow. Yeah, I had to look it up. Huh. But that was like 2006, so there's still plenty of like wiggle room for for some of these uh, VHS gems. And that one came out in... Uh, what was this one? Hmm, 2004. Hey, so it still fits. Yeah, still fits. And it would still be kind of sort of childhood nostalgia because at least I was still in school in 2004. Oh, yeah. Well, so was I technically, but that was college. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess you're not an adult till you're, you know, 28. (laughs) I still don't feel like an adult now. (laughs) Yeah, no, you never, I don't think you ever feel like an adult. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I feel like our whole generation, are you in the millennial blip or are you? No, I qualify for Gen X. Okay, I feel like the later Gen Xs and like the earlier millennials were all the we're never going to grow up Peter Pan generation. <laughs> Just, I mean, I definitely feel like I have a little bit of that. I was a late Gen yeah. Xer. Yeah, so I definitely have it because I still feel like I'm. Well, I still feel like I'm 21 because I I do drink alcohol, but um, yeah. Well, so I still yeah, feel like I'm 17. <laughs> <laughs> which is worse knees <laughs> worse knees that is true yeah getting yeah sitting yeah sitting and then standing up reminds me how old i am but <laughs> <laughs> that is with that that is flash gordon 1980 definitely of his age but also definitely worth a a second look at a modernization i would say um I would John. say make, build a, a drinking game around it. Every time somebody says, what the hell, take a shot or take a drink. Yeah, that that is true. If you have other ideas for drinking games to go with Flash <laughs> Gordon, where, John, where can people tweet at you? You can at me on Twitter, at Magic Bollocks. All right. And you can at me as J.M. Bailey writes on Twitter. And you can find archives of this podcast and other podcasts that John and I are on on our website, geekelitemedia.com. Um, you can also find us at Geek Elite Media on Twitter and Instagram and facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media. Um, we do also have a Patreon page that if you spend a few bucks on once a month, you'll get exclusive contact to our podcast as well as like videos and articles and all that fun stuff that we do um and it's patreon.com geekleap media um until then 
always remember to geek out. Geek out. This concludes our broadcast. Peace.